You're listening to Human Rights Talks, organized by the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. Welcome to the third and final part of our podcast series on the war in Ukraine. My name is Bogdan Litvinenko, and I'm a graduating journalism student at Concordia University reporting on original war stories. In this episode, we follow the story of Dmitry Cherkasky, a Montrealer originally from Moscow whose family thinks he's brainwashed for helping Ukrainian refugees in the Ukrainian army to survive Russian attacks. Cherkasky considers himself a strong Ukrainian ally, but back home in Moscow, those who know him are convinced that he's a victim of disinformation. His story shows just how powerful propaganda can be, pitting mothers against sons, brothers against brothers. Here, Cherkasky describes how he believes his family in Moscow came to support the Kremlin. Every day they're watching TV, even up to now. The things they're saying from TV, it's unbelievable. About mosquitoes, biological laboratories, about uh, NATO gives to Ukrainian soldiers as many weapons as they want to destroy Russia. They thinking they, the government of Russia doing right things now. I'm trying to explain them, Ukraine, this is a separate country. They have their own government. No one can tell them which language to talk, but there is no progress at all. He says his mother and brother watch state-controlled media on a regular basis. And like millions of other Russians, they believe the war is an act of liberating a country that's supposedly been bombing itself ever since the Donbass conflict started in 2014. As noted in our previous episode, 75% of Russians support the war, according to the Levada Center, a non-governmental polling organization based in Moscow. In my conversation with Alexandra Postoyeva in episode 2, the Ukrainian journalism student talked about the tone of Russian talk shows and how they influence public opinion. Cherkasky believes the same thing. It's not only what is shown on Russian state television, it's how it's shown. Both Postoyeva and Cherkasky described a wildly popular program called 60 Minutes, which has no relation to the American show with the same name. The show takes the tone of a boxing ring with hosts Olga Skabeva and Yevgeny Popov often stoking arguments centered on fear and anger. The phenomenon is well documented by media and communication scholars who confirm that the role of Russian talk shows is an integral part of a wider disinformation campaign. Presenters often ratchet up the hype on everything from the necessity of using nuclear weapons to defend the motherland to rallying against the so-called decaying West and Volodymyr Zelensky's Nazi regime. Nazism. And this part of Russia's information warfare seems to be working. More than half of all Russian citizens, in all age groups, of all education levels, continue to support the war, according to surveys done in March 2023 by the independent research group Russian Field. My brother, he is a very educated person. He has a he learned about 12 years. He has kind of degree 
bakalavra or something. He is educated, intelligent person. And he's still talking to me with my wife, like my mom, exactly the same as other citizens of Russia. Most people in Russia. It's 100% came out from TV, 100%. Uh, my mother's opinion is, she's saying, I born over here, she's 74 years now, and like she has to trust the government. She has no other way to trust somebody else because this government give it to her pension, this is her country. I try to understand for about maybe 10% of that. But my question, is it normal to kill other people? She has nothing to say. Cherkasky says he keeps trying to counter the disinformation in conversations with his family. Sometimes he will try to show them verified news reports about Russian strikes on civilians or critical infrastructure. But when the conversations get a little too real, he says his family just changes the subject. My mom said, okay, let's do not talk about politi politic. How the girls, how your health, how, how the weather. But I cannot talk about weather when one country killing women's children's infrastructure, everything another. The worst case for Cherkasky is the disinformation surrounding the Bucha massacre, where 458 civilians were killed by Russian troops in suburban Kiev. When Russian news channels reported on it, they portrayed it as fiction. The Russia 24 state channel showed a video of two soldiers wrapping a man's body to make him look like a corpse, and captioned it on TV as, Ukrainians continue to spread fakes. This report was released when Putin's regime tried to deny the Bucha massacre, claiming that dozens of corpses lying on the city streets were a staged provocation to make the West more empathetic towards Ukraine. Cherkasky said his family, once again, sided with the Kremlin. They believe in these things. They believe that in Bucha, it was uh, like a dolls, not the real bodies. They don't believe all of this uh, killing happened in Bucha, Gastomel, and other uh, cities of Ukraine. Cherkasky says the turning point in his own mind came when a longtime Ukrainian friend suffered unimaginable pain when Russian troops fired on and killed his parents, wife, and daughter as they were driving out of town, trying to escape the war. And this car was shooted by a Russian tank on, right on his eyes. So he was watching he, how he lost the family like that. And this is, a, this is an unbelievable situation. He tried to explain me like he wanna die. He wanna kill himself first. But after that, he decided to go and kill Russians as many as possible. Even this news fell flat with his family. Cherkasky describes a depressing response. There is no comments. Oh yeah, okay, oh, sorry, it happens. It's a war. What do you want him to do? 
Cherkasky says at the very least, he will continue to do what he believes is right. When thousands of Ukrainians started migrating to Quebec to escape the war, Cherkasky and his daughter Anna vowed to make a difference. They've since organized and paid for multiple excursions to zoos and water parks around Montreal for the refugee children and their parents. They say it is a small gesture meant to bring joy to families who have suffered so much. For those on the front lines, Cherkasky has sent foot warmers to Ukrainian soldiers who have been fighting all winter, and he spearheaded an effort to send candy canes and Santa hats to kindergarten children in Kyiv at Christmas. He's also still trying to help bring perspective to his family in Russia. I will keep trying with my mom as long as I can, as long as she wants to talk to me about that. But on the other side, I don't know. The thing is, too many people is a poor, unfortunately, in Russia. That's the problem. And the propaganda, how it works. The people living very, very poor, and the government saying somebody want to kill us. Basically, this is a story. This is exactly what the Adolf Hitler does before Second World started. But no one wants to read the history. No one wants to think about Besides poverty, it seems age is also a key factor that determines the success of disinformation on TV. According to Russia's research company Mediascope, the average Russian over the age of 65 spends seven hours a day watching television. Combined with the onslaught of disinformation since the beginning of the war, it is also important to note that Russians in their 60s and 70s spent at least half of their lives living in the Soviet Union. Historians have written volumes about this era, during which the Russian language was promoted as superior across all Soviet republics, the United States was portrayed as the archenemy, and Russia as a whole was presented as the dominant power in control of the other republics. This propaganda, this is a drug. My opinion, all of this starts with the Soviet Union, long, long time ago, and the first signs of, uh, of this I found in the national hymn of Soviet Union, uh, the most important words over there, the union of the republic connected together around itself great Russia. That means the Russia in the center and the Russia is a great one, but all others around, which is automatically bring them down one step. The Russia decide what to do, when to do, and how to do. Cherkasky says he feels defeated, that the level of information warfare is beyond anything he can reasonably discuss with his family. And so he does what he can for now. Watch, wait, and speak his truth at every opportunity. Thank you for joining us today for the third and final episode of this mini-series on the war in Ukraine. To learn more about first-hand experiences of Ukrainian refugees, listen to the previous two podcasts published earlier by the Institute. I'm Bogdan Litvinenko for Mix.